0: Hi, I'm Lisa Urich, and this is the Count on Me Culture, a podcast exploring what we can do to thrive in a new reality, the reality of the sans the permanent people shortage that's due to the fact that we just didn't make enough babies 30 years ago to replace the baby boomers exiting today. It's really simple math, and it's been coming for decades at us, but you've not heard it talked about. Until now. The Pew Research Center in Utah published a report 25 years ago and told us to expect it in late 2019. It happened in early 2020 and other folks have studied it. But now this reality is changing the way we work and we're kind of late to catching up about it. But this podcast is about exploring what helps the strategies that are helping some thrive in a shortage of qualified people or any people at all in the workforce. And I've identified five themes that people want today when they go to work. People want financial compensation, of course, um, something creative, and they want something that feels good to them, something feels good to do or they feel good about doing. The third F, they want flexibility, very important to have flexibility in the work. And the fourth, a fun atmosphere. They want to say, hey, my work is fun, whatever that means. And the fifth today is our topic about friendship. They want to be working with friends and family. We talked in the previous episode about working with family in particular, but I want to explore a little more about this idea of making adult friends at work and what we can do, whether in a peer role or a leadership role or as a, a business owner, what we can do about adult friendships at work. Because if friendship is an important part of a new person's decision to join us in our mission, it follows that we want to be able to help them find those friendships. And how do we do that in our workplace our, as leaders, as employers? You know, in school, we had sports teams, after school activities and lunch. Ah. There's a real opportunity. We still have the break room. It's the equivalent of the grade school sandbox. It is the most likely place where diverse people are going to find each other in this country today. It's a place where people are more oriented to meeting each other over food and making new connections. Famed social architect Christopher Alexander, I love to talk about him and his pattern languages, he said, No culture can exist without communal eating. No culture can exist without communal eating. Now, he studied cultures across the globe, so it was interesting that he came up with this idea that no culture could exist at all without eating together. And in a world where everyone retreats to their phones, where polarizing views are dominant and social skills rusty or brand new concepts, it's tough to build an environment for adult friend making. You know, some companies have games in the break room. I was just thinking maybe I should put some cards or some chess or something that gives people something they can do together. Some people have ping pong or you know uh, for a while we had had games of, you know, beanbag toss and that that really was working really well. We may need to reintroduce that. Um but things people can do together. Some people have free food, having orientations that have warm-ups where connections can be made, where people can share in school, you know, we had teachers and uh, you know friends people who thought about our friend making. Now in an all adult environment we need to be purposeful, particularly in the workplace about facilitating that environment. And, you know, as I've come through workplaces for the past decades, I've um, it's been this idea that business is business and friendship is friendship and family is family. And you keep all of those things separate. And it's true that when you mix it all together, it gets messy. It's also true that people want to work with their friends and family today. They they want a place for connection. And, you know, it, to be purposeful about that, you know, we have to do something to make things happen between people. We have to be, put them in situations, give them chances to be friends. Ah, so there's a fun study I saw that uh, people tend to us- underestimate how much other people like them. That is, they assume that folks like them a lot less than they actually do. And if that's true, then people are all walking around a little defensively, ready to be disliked. When in fact people are really pretty ready to like each other. So maybe we need to work harder at communicating the liking part. Uh, Melissa Franco is working on a book called Platonic. She's a counseling psychologist and professor at the University of Maryland. She talks about this liking gap. That is the way we underestimate others' esteem of us. Isn't that good news? I mean, when strangers interact, they usually don't think they are as well-liked as they really are. And we all want to be liked. I mean, social media has built a whole empire on how very much we want to be liked. We measure success in likes. We want our opinions, our pictures, our choices to be likable. We want to have friends. And while social media will tell us that we have dozens, even hundreds, maybe thousands of friends... 52% of people still report feeling lonely. And you know what fixes that loneliness? One of them can be being at work with a flesh and blood person you can tease, laugh with, care about, and cheer for all day. This is not about a superficial need to please people, but a fundamental need to be part of a group, to feel part of something. I told some of our new hires uh, today that they were adopted part of Franklin, I said, you have been adopted. Uh, You didn't just accept a job, but you've been adopted. Part of this group for as long as you wanna be. And I told them we wanted them to have friends here. I told them that I said, one of these days you're going to leave here and I'm gonna ask you four questions. I'm gonna ask you, did you grow while you were here? Did you leave us better than you found us? Are you moving for toward something or away from something? And would you be willing to come back? Because I want you to be able to say yes to all of those, all four of those questions when it's time for you to to move forward in life. And I want to help you do that. And I want you to look back and know that we're still part of your extended Franklin family and your friends. So I've been working really hard on speaking that out loud and just saying that and claiming that, you know, because People are all looking for the friendlies. They're, they're looking for that. And the people today, their faces were surprised, but not in a bad way, I don't think. I think they were pleased um, because we can all use more friends. I want to talk more about this idea of forming friendships uh, as we continue on the Count on Me culture. Hey guys, that Connor here with Connor Bros Wood Floors. If you're anything like me, your allergies have got you sneezing your face off. The guys at Connor Bros Wood Floors have the perfect solution a brand new floor. Is a new floor from Connor Bros going to solve all your problems? Probably not. Is ripping out all that old dusty carpet going to help? Absolutely. Find the floor. Find the color. Find the feel you want. Your home's new look is waiting. Come by our showroom and pick from hundreds of different options that will help with those dreaded allergies. Connor Bros Wood Flooring, Highway 111 North and All Good are on the web at connorbros.net. Welcome back to the Count on Me culture. I'm Lisa Yurek and talking today about friendships, adult friendships and the importance of that as a strategy in creating the Count on Me culture. Now, the Count on Me culture, that's a culture where people show up because they want to. It's a culture in a permanent people shortage where people voluntarily give their effort and they're happy about it. It's a, it's a culture where people say, Hey, I can help with that. And key to that culture. One of the five F's that's key is this idea of friendship because people go out of their way for their friends. People will do things for their friends that they won't do for others. And friendships at work, those are important to us. We talked about, you know, as mentioning a minute ago, how 52% of people are feeling lonely. And yet we have our phones in our hands and we're clicking on things and we're liking things and we see all these beautiful wishes and such. You know, I had a birthday this week and lots of people said, happy birthday to me in social media. And that felt, made me feel good. It was a really, it was beautiful to to see things and hear from people, Um, what, Hit me more and more deeply were the moments that I had the opportunity to interact with somebody in person, and they said, Happy birthday, even if I didn't know them very well. But to have people that I did know that I've counted as friends do do something or say something, I was walking across the street and somebody yelled out of their window that's a, a friend of mine she said, Happy birthday, and it it just it just felt good um, to know and to feel that I have friends. And we all want that. We want that flesh and blood friendship thing. We we feel like we need to be liked. You know, even as babies, you know, we formed in about 40 milliseconds, babies can judge whether the person is a friend or a foe, whether they're gonna smile or cry. And I think we keep that kind of instinct with us. We may not always be right, but we're looking for the friendlies. and. I've been trying really, speaking of that, hard, to, I've been trying really hard to help our team understand that when someone new comes in, they need a friendly face. They don't need to scowl at them for the first 30 days. They need to be put under wing, so to speak. Um, you know, we all process information so very weakly, uh, so very quickly. You know, are we likable? Are we trusted? Are we wanted? And we do it out of instinct. So if your whole staff is looking pretty happy and welcoming to the new person, you're poised to make friendships. But, you know, getting everyone on board can be tough. I was talking to one of our um, associates and uh, I pulled off a new associate and she said, oh, my goodness, I thought I lost her before the, the first break. Um and that would be a record for me. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, I kind of give them a hard time on their first day. And if they make it through their first day, then, you know, I'll be nice to them after that. And I was like, oh, my goodness. We we are forming first impressions. We have a first thing. We, this person has seven choices. There's seven choices for every person who chooses to join you in your organization. So that's a lot of choices. And when people choose you... They, you want to make sure that they come in and that that first day is full of new friends and full of new contacts, full of happy people that they go, wow, I am so glad I chose to be here because I think I can make a friend, uh, or more or lots of friends. And it's, it's, it's a really good thing. So you know ask yourself are, do we have staff members that are trying to weave people out or are we actively trying to facilitate friendships I have noticed that at breaks and at uh, lunch times people tend to retreat and you know because I have a manufacturing we Dave and I have a manufacturing facility you know people are leaving and they, they, they bypass the break room and they go to their cars they turn their music up loud they get on their phones they do whatever but they're not forming friendships during that important lunchtime we need to think about that and think about how we can do it it's not going to happen automatically it's not going to happen without us doing something purposeful and you know any member of the team in any organization can say hey i'm going to do this and i you know talking with amber flynn jared talking with about her realty collective talking with Costa and other people that we've had on this podcast, it's clear that great leaders, Brandon at the Emergency Management Services, it's clear that great leaders are working on how do we form friendships in our workplace. And they're doing things outside of work, inside of work. They're doing things purposefully that help make that happen. And that's, that is how we thrive in a sand stomach. That's how we really get and get people involved with each other. You know, noticing that people go to their, you know, do people go to their cars like they do in our place? Do they get through a whole week without really meeting anybody? Have they worked there a month and they don't know the names of the people around them? Uh Do they, you know, how do you really make sure that they have the opportunity? And multiple opportunities to form friendships. You know, Dave and I went through Leadership Putnam a couple of years ago. And in Leadership Putnam, one of the things that was um, part of the facilitative structure is that we went places and we rode in different people's cars. So you'd have four or five people riding together for, you know, eight or 10 minutes. And it was the most transformative part because it, here you are in a car. Um, with somebody and you have the opportunity to form adult friendships. And we did Uh, the same thing with impact leadership. We had the opportunity to sit around together, to eat lunch together, to go and experience things together. And that kind of leadership experience was valuable Probably more than anything, because there were some friendships that came about as a result of it. So that's one of the things that no matter what kind of organization you have uh, or you're part of, think a little bit about how you're doing. Give yourself a score. How are we doing on adult friendship making? Um, because in today's environment, it's not going to happen automatically. We've got too much technology. We're out of the habit. We've just been through years of COVID. We've been, you know, encouraged not to connect with each other. And now um, a very difficult thing, a challenging thing, adult friendships, male friendships, female friendships, um, we've taken something that's difficult and the difficulty level has gone higher for us. So we need to be even more purposeful. Let's think about some of the purposeful things we can do to foster friendships at work. When we come back, you're listening to The Count of Me Culture. Welcome back to the Count on Me culture. I'm Lisa Yurick, talking about how to thrive in a permanent people shortage in a sand stomach. So that's the world we're in. So in the Cookville and surrounding areas today, for every job opening I'm sorry, for every person looking for a job, there are seven job openings. For every person, there's seven jobs. People have a lot of choices when they fly. And one of the five very important things they're looking for is the opportunity to spend their days in the company of friends and family or people who feel like family. So... what do do we do to foster that? What can we do to encourage that? I mentioned, you know, fostering things where people ride in the cars together. And, you know, today in, you know, as we're learning about respect and what that means between people, it can be scary. I mean, we've, we've, Learned that we're doing so many things wrong that we're almost afraid to have contact with each other because there's so many ways for us to get it wrong. So I think this is where we as employers can really help people get it right. So when we structure things, if we have lunch and learn meetings where uh, people are, um, uh, given lunch and, and facilitated just for fun uh, to interact and learn productive and good things about each other, where we bring people together to build together and focus them on tasks together, uh, team kinds of efforts where we play games or offer the opportunity to play games, even book clubs at work that's a good idea we need to structure it so that people are talking about ideas and working on productive things love to our own devices and we you know we're going to talk about what's in the news and that's probably not gonna be best for friend building. Um, we might talk about our families or our kids or things that are important to us and that's a that's definitely the stuff of friend fodder. but sometimes even there you get um, into some sticky stuff. So one of the places to build a friendship first is around some common purpose, um, you know, a common quest. You see that at at churches and volunteer organizations. You bring people together. If you're going to Habitat for Humanity, you're, you're coming together to build a house and you're joined first in purpose. And we can do this in the workplace. What is the purpose of the work that they're doing? What are they really looking to achieve together? And once we've made that really clear, and you know, as I, as I even say those words, I'm like, goodness, I need to do a better job at that. And we've got, you know, it's so easy to forget it. Um, but to pull people together and say, hey, this is the purpose that you're, you're working on together. And to be clear about that and help people embrace it and find their own place to sink their teeth into it, um, that's, that's important. So a shared purpose, a shared quest, and a, a shared task. And then celebration of victory. If you think about how sports works, you know when we go we get we celebrate there's high fives there's victory because you knew you were successful well you know every day is full of those kind of victories how cool would it be if people ended their shift or ended their day with big high fives and big happiness, the same kind of happiness they would have if they won a game in a sports team, or the same kind of happiness they would have if they scored in a day. We need to, to foster this atmosphere of celebrating each other, celebrating each other's wins, because it's not, you know, we, we talk a lot. And and people want to create uh, employee handbooks. And in employee handbooks, it's all the stuff that you're not going to do. I'm a senior professional in HR, and I've created a lot of handbooks. And, you know, our handbook... Is about three pages long um, because I no longer want to list all the things that people don't need to do. I want to list the four things that I do want to see people do. I want them to be ready. I want them to be safe. I want them to give respect. And I want them to give 111% of you know more effort than they thought they were capable of giving. And all of those things are indicators of healthy positive outlooks, good energy, which often stems from a sense of belonging, a sense of safety, a sense of being part of the group that comes with having friends, having friends at work. So we know it's important. We know we need to do it. And we can be that change that we want to see in the world. We can start by being friendly and declaring friendships, just like I declared to those people, we're adopting you. Um... I've decided that uh, I can I can be the love in the world that I want to see. I can tell people that I like them. I can tell people that I appreciate them. Um without being weird or gushy or whatever, I can just tell them that uh, hey, I like working with you. Just a little comment like that can be the start of a friendship. Uh knowing that you have something in common that you care about them as people this is going to be the start of friendship. So we know it's a good thing to do. I know we're going to all come up with creative ways to do it. We've seen it working for a lot of companies. If you look around at a, at a place you really enjoy being in, you're going to find adult friendships. The number one indicator of confidence in the medical field is the perception of teamwork. This perception that the people working there like and respect each other and are working together. When we have that in any environment, from an ice cream shop to a bookstore to a manufacturing company to an insurance agency, if you get the idea that people like and respect each other, that they are friends working together, mm, it's good for business It's good for the people who work in those businesses. It's good for all of us. And that's how we create a count on me culture where people offer up discretionary effort and they say, hey friend, you can count on me. I'm Lisa Urich and I hope this is helpful. Let's create together the count on me culture.